Welcome to the Mojo for Musicians podcast from Manny Cabo Media, where we dig deep into today's top strategies to help you take your music career to the next level, along with real, raw, and uplifting conversations with industry professionals that are making moves, making a difference, and making the best versions of themselves to inspire you to do the same. And for all of our Mojo Maniacs out there, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a positive review on your favorite listening platform. Support for the Mojo for Musicians podcast comes from Stedman, tools for the studio and beyond, because your voice deserves to be heard. Sennheiser, inspired by music. And Cranium, scientifically designed products for bald, shaved, and buzzed heads. So get your head in the game and own your dome. And now, here's your host, Manny Cabo. All right, welcome back, Mojo Maniacs, to another episode of your source of inspiration for my creative community of artists. And always giving much thanks and gratitude to my sponsors at Stedman and Sennheiser and West Tone Audio, Grundorf Cases, Rockwell Watches, and of course, you guys for sustaining this multifaceted, crazy career of mine. Because let's face it, without you guys, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. So thank you. And man, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. Episode 71 is definitely bringing the heat with one of my fellow Jersey rock stars who has undoubtedly made a robust name and brand for himself as the founder of the band Trickster, who, as many of you know, set incredible accolades back in the 80s, ranging from three Billboard Top 100 singles, three number one MTV video selections, and never mind playing alongside of some of the best iconic performers the rock world has to offer. I mean, we're talking the likes of Kiss, Def Leppard, Journey, Scorpion, Poison, just simply way too damn many to name on this show. And he's even made his own way into the bright lights of Broadway. That's right, making waves, ripping chords on the hit musical Rock of Ages. But, you know, in all honesty, guys, and I say this with all earnestness, the reason why I love this guy, aside from his endorsements from, you know, the late Eddie Van Halen and his recent successful line of SBS guitars, as you're going to see, he's sporting his own swag, because you got to believe in yourself, right? And most recently, working with the one and only Ace Freely of Kiss on his latest album, uh, which so far I've heard has been nothing short of iconic sounding. But in all my years of being in this industry, I've never met such a down-to-earth dude, you know, who shares the same sentiments as I do about getting along and being courteous, professional, and appreciating the journey of the grind with gratitude, as I call it, right? And I, I love his gestures right now. And believe you me, guys, that's tough to find. So let's welcome to the show my dear friend, the one and only Steve Brown. What's up, Steve? Welcome to Mojo for Musicians, brother. Manny, great to be here. Hello, everybody out there on the worldwide intraweb. I'm honored and humbled to be here with my, also, Manny, you forgot, my Wizards of Winter bandmate. <laughs> I was going to get to my that. My mate. Uh, that's right. I was going to get to that. Dude, it's been over a month since we share this stage. So it's so good to see your mug, brother. It truly is. Likewise, dude. Likewise. And yeah, what well, was it? The last time I saw you was at Bush Gardens with, of course, our, right. our Wizards family. But uh, again, man, listen, I, uh, I know we've been planning this for a minute because I, I know what you're about. And I knew you wanted to strategically wait until the craziness with Ace's album was under control and your personal and your touring because you're all over the place. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking time out of your, your hectic itinerary, to say the least, to share your journeys and your wisdom with my listeners, my man. Well, thanks for, again, thanks for having me. And, uh, 
you know, as always, I miss you, dude. And uh, soon enough, we, we, we will be back wizarding before you know it. But uh, These months you know, go thanks by quick, again bro. for having me on the show. It's been it's a very exciting time. Always busy. Yeah. You know, look, man, uh, 40 plus years in this business. And uh, I still love every minute of it, nice. whether it's making records, playing live or doing an interview with the likes of yourself. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And uh, if you want to be in this business, you better like everything, whether it's, you know, shitty hotel food or uh, <laughs> subpar hotel rooms and airlines and late nights and early flights. You better get used to it. And but he's I being see, very kind, people. He's being really yeah, kind. <laughs> of course. Because no matter what, man, I love it all. I love yeah. every aspect of it. I think that's a great, great mindset to have. And you really do have to adopt some thick skin because this industry, if you don't have it, will definitely force you to grow some thick skin. And I got to tell right. you, Steve, this interview for me anyway is going to be a tough one because there are a myriad of questions pertaining to your career. You know, as an artist, uh, just because you have a lot of layers to what we do as artists, you know, and so many accolades sure. that you've amassed, you know, you having a reservoir of insights to share is just an understatement, I have to say. So I tried to narrow it down to three very specific questions for you that, that touches on the different sides of Steve, you know, the artist, the entrepreneur, and producer, if you will. So I want to yeah. kick things off as a, uh, you know, as a consummate artist, right, with over 30-plus years of experience like you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. What key lessons have you learned throughout your career that that you believe are essential for aspiring musicians to to not only sustain but to thrive in today's industry and and how similar or relevant is it today as compared to your past thirty year tenure because it's pretty evident that you've been able to adapt to the modern day music world with fluidity, brother. And I might add, uh, uh, as I've seen anyway. Or am I wrong? Perhaps you're, <laughs> perhaps you're at your wit's end, cursing up in storm. I don't see it, but talk to me about that. No. Well, man, you know, here it all started back when I was a kid, when I started playing guitar in 1978. Mm. Ace Frehley and Eddie Van Halen were the two guys that got me going. Kiss, Rock and Roll Over, and Van Halen won, 1978. Set me on my uh, rock and roll adventure of a lifetime right. that I'm still on and enjoying every minute of it. Um instantly it was in my blood like it was the thing that you know you find where people say when you find your passion you know it I found it very early on and I also grew up in a very um, athletic family my father was a you know semi-pro baseball player before he became a you know high school principal and 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 an educator and a coach my older brother was an all-century baseball and football player for Paramus my middle brother was in a championship question writer so it was always there was always competition and there was always that you're gonna win and my father very Um, gave me great advice that I still use to this day. And all he said in the nicest possible way was, whatever you do in life, do the best you can and be the best you can. So that's all I've ever tried to do with anything that I've ever done, whether it's playing guitar, singing, songwriting. And I think when you do that and throw in the mix that I love, you love it. I love it. You know, that's always been my thing that I think anybody who's known me, you know, since I was a little kid, 
it was un, undeniable that this is what I was going sure, to do sure. for my career because I loved it so much. You know, and, and I did when I was a little kid, I did play sports like yourself. We were both athletes. But I, you know, I learned really early on that I go probably in about eighth grade, I go, you know what, I don't think I'm going to be six foot three and 230 pounds. So I don't think I'm going to be a shortstop. Well, I was lefty. So I don't think I'm going to be a center field in the major leagues. And I'm certainly not going to be a running back for the New York Giants. So that took sports out of the equation. But, you know, with that being said, you know, again, I just loved every aspect of it. And it wasn't just reading circus and hip parader magazine and rock scene although that was essentially part of it though you gotta admit it was (laughs) right but you know the thing about it was you know besides playing music and writing songs i was also infatuated with the business of it and that subconsciously was the kiss influence you know the gene simmons kiss and sell and um when i started trickster i needed i knew in the back of my mind, what is going to be the gimmick? And it was Circus Magazine reading about Def Leppard in 1980, where I read that Rick Allen was 16 years old when he joined Def Leppard. That was the light bulb moment for me where I go, that's it. That's going to be my gimmick. I'm going to have the youngest hard rock band we're going to be. We're going to jump higher. We're going to play faster. We're going to be louder. Everything that youth. And that, you know, enthusiasm was trickster. And that's how it all began. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say after all these years, you know, again, like I said, you know, I started trickster almost 40 years ago, you know, uh, July, July of 1984 is when we officially became trickster. So, you know, happy to say 40 years now, and uh, I'm still playing some of the songs, you know, and and doing what I love to do. Well, you're doing your whole acoustic thing across the country as well. Which I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. I think it's in June here at the Debonair Hall, correct? Yes, Debonair Music Hall in May. But we're going to be, it's not going to be Trickster Acoustic. It's Trickster Electric because we just started doing some shows. We opened up for Mr. Big last week up in Rome, New York. I saw that. And I told PJ, I said, man, we're not doing the acoustic thing, (laughs) man. I want to play electric and rip it out. So we've been doing this now and we did it on the Chris Jericho cruise as well. So that's um, know, Again, it's just. Uh, after all these years to still be playing, you know, the, you know, give it to me good one in a million, the trickster classics and some of the cover songs and PJ songs, you know, uh, again, just blessed a hundred times over. And again, loving every minute of it. Love her. You are are definitely, you are like me, man. And again, just like you strategize perfectly timing, you know, your showcase on the show, I strategically plan, you know, cause this show is all about empowering and entertaining and inspiring. And there's got to be a certain mindset that needs to be across the board. And like you said, you got to put up with a lot of shit. But at the same time, you have to take the good with the bad. And technically, I don't even see it as good as bad. It just is. It's how we interpret the situation. And in all fairness to you, brother, you know, I, I grew up just like you. We were privy to the best era in absolute music. I'm not talking just rock, R&B, disco. We had everything on the planet, so the influences evidently were there. So I understand you and I empathize fully with you when you said you had the likes of Eddie Van Halen and Kiss. These guys were monsters, and you would sit there enthralled and enveloped in the showmanship. And that's another element that, for me, over the years... 
it, I've seen it decline, like, I guess because we were so spoiled back in the day, you really had to have chops. I don't care if you were a singer, a bass player, drummer, guitar player. If you didn't have licks, don't show up on stage. So I can see that in you and when we perform together. I love that visceral energy with the crowd. And you're jumping and you're doing the classic Van Halen. I know, Eddie, you're making him proud with those moves. But I get it, brother. I truly do. And I appreciate that because, yes, there has to be a certain mindset to even sustain or to have remote success in this industry. And you've done it and leaps and bounds as as an artist, as an entertainer, as a guitar player, which I'm going to get into other segments of you right now. But go ahead, man, finish your last statement. Well, no, I, again, you, you, you're you saying it all. You know, again, yeah. I, I'm a big believer, again, yeah. be the best you can be and do the best you yeah. can at all times. Yeah. And that's what I do. And you know that, dude. Look, yeah. we all know whether you're playing in a cover band or you're playing for me, whether I'm playing with Def Leppard, whether I'm playing with the Wizards of Winter yeah. or Trickster. You know, look, every night is not 10,000 people. 100%. But my attitude has always been wherever I play, whether it's, again, a big show, little show, medium, I give er- the best that I can be. And that's one of the most important things that you you can always, you know, that you, you should share with everyone is to always be your best. Um, And especially for the people who've never had success, like what we're doing here, trying to influence and give people advice here, empower people, no matter what size show you're doing, always be your best. And especially the smallest ones, when you least expect it, could be that one time, that one in a million, no pun intended, (laughs) one in a million, (laughs) that one in a million chance that a Mr. or Mrs. Bigwig could be out in the audience and say, hey, I watched your show. You blew me away. Here's my card. And the next thing you know, it could be the president of Spotify, the president of Warner Brothers Records. You never know. So, Well, I've had that happen to me, Steve. That's the reason why I'm letting you elaborate on that. I've got so many shows because we showed up on a Wednesday night at the Continental during a blizzard, right? The own, and we rocked it out, yeah. man. You know, you know, like when you know you leave it on the stage. Because of that, we got the next prime slots on the Friday night in New York City. Sure. You know, the Continental, how great it was. Some of the most iconic the time, performers. Man, I love that place. Right. So, and we got some incredible gigs. Why? Because we showed up. Because we did the best possible job that we could. Mm-hmm. And you know, my dad, just like your dad, unfortunately, you know, I lost my dad to COVID years ago. He always used to tell me. Don't do shit. If you're going to just entertaining people half-assed, just don't do it because it's disrespectful to yourself and it's a disservice to your audience. And, man, that always stuck with me. For sure. You know, as an entertainer. That's right. But listen, man, like I said, man, this is is a tough one because there's so many questions that I want to ask you. (laughs) But let's move on. Let's transition, you know, uh, into your your production, right? I want you to share, please. Be as thorough as possible. I want you to share some behind-the-scenes insights or, better yet, some memorable moments from the studio while working with Ace, right? Because you're working with him. And and how did those experiences shape the final product? Because from a personal standpoint, you know, sometimes it's tough, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks. So there there has to be a significant element of trust. And sometimes that could be a daunting task. So is there some truth to that and, and your experiences? Without question. I mean, look, we're, you know, we're, 
you're always as a producer and we're in my studio now this is my studio the mojo vegas 6160 i love it always been a dream of mine and i became a producer and engineer um as soon as trickster started making the first record i fell in love with making mm -hmm. records I wanted to learn everything about engineering. I wanted to learn about mastering, producing. Why do you do this? And I was always asking questions. You know, when I was a kid, I was I was so inspired by guitar players and bands. But as soon as we started making records, I became obsessed with Bruce Fairburn, Mutt Lang, Bob Rock. I wanted to be those guys. Butch right, right. Vig. You know what I mean? And why, you know, we were able to make records. And the biggest thing for me was I was always let down by people that I worked with in a sense mm -hmm. to where things were, it never was what I heard in my head, you know, and I got great advice oh, from, it. you know, Eddie Van Halen, my, my old dear friend and God bless him. And I miss him and we all miss him. We lost him way but too soon. Long man, story but short was, you know, he told me was, you know, that he built 5150, him and Alex, they wanted 5150 because they didn't want anybody controlling them when and how they could make music. They wanted to be in control. And so that's why he built 5150. So when I bought this house 30 plus years ago, my first order of business was to build a studio. And what was funny about it was, you know, when I, I saw Eddie probably a week after I moved into this house and I started building this studio, Maz and I from 40 Foot Ringo and my guitar player, who was a great contractor, him and I built this with our hands, a lot like Eddie and Alex built 5150 wow. with their hands. But long story short, I saw him at a gig and I told him and he goes, oh, you're building a studio. And I go, yeah, man. I go, you have 5150. I have 6160 now. I want my own place. And he goes, what does 6160 mean? I go, I have no idea, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> but it sounds cool. And, uh, but <laughs> it was all about, for me, control. I never yeah. wanted an engineer ever again to say to me, dude, you can't do this. I would always be like, why don't the drums sound this way? Why doesn't the guitar? And they go, oh, well, give me a bunch of reasons. Oh, you don't have enough 10K on this sure. mic. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear it. I'm going yeah, to yeah. learn how to control. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to anybody. Control every part of your career. What you wear on stage, what you look like, what if you can engineer and produce. I tell every young musician I meet, Learn Pro Tools, learn Logic, learn how to make your own records and record. Not only will you save thousands of dollars, but you will also be able to learn something that you could do for the rest of your life and take and sure. never have to rely on other people to record and make your music. So with that being said, it's been 30 years that I've been a producer. We've made ton a bunch of trickster records here. Um, we've stereo fallout, soap, throwing rocks, 40 foot Ringo, um, PJ Farley solo records. And it's just, you know, it's something, it becomes a part of you that it's like, sure. I love live performing. You know, that live performance is such a huge part of my life, but as much as I love live performance, I love being in the studio. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's not even a, it's not even coming from a standpoint of arrogance. It's just the lack of knowledge from other people. It almost kind of coerces you because you're like, dude, this sounds like shit. I know my music. Yes, of course. And you've been there. 
you know what it's like and you know what it's like 100%. when you go when you hear your stuff i remember when i was a little kid man it was always that constant i mean granted back in the 80s we didn't have that technology there were very few guys who could get you know a, a def leppard sounding record on a uh, fostex yeah. four track if you will but of course. it served its purpose later on but you know fast forward to you know, 2021, um, my other band, Tokyo Motor Fist, with uh, Ted yeah. Poley and Greg Smith and Chuck Berge, yeah. we got to do some opening shows for Ace Freely. And so Ace, again, like I said before, Ace, I've had a long relationship with the Kiss guys. Trickster toured with Kiss in 1992 on the Revenge Tour. You know, uh, it's been an unbelievable fairy tale relationship, if you will, because I know them all. You know, Gene, Paul, Bruce, knew Eric Carr back in the day, Peter, Ace. So it's just for, for an eight-year-old kid, I still have to sometimes pinch myself. But long story short, I know, I a bunch of the people in Ace's camp, um, my good buddy Phil Dealey, who used to work for Trickster, John Astronomy, and most importantly, Ace's fiance Lara, who is a girl that uh, she's from Cliffside Park, uh, that PJ and I, we grew up together. She was part of the 80s scene. I'm sure you met her back in the day, too. But It's like a family, man. It's what it is. You guys are like a family. You're not even. Yeah, it is. And you know, man, I talk about I talk about the Jersey mentality, brotherhood, sisterhood. We're all always looking out for each other, much different than the L.A. scene. But fast forward, we did these shows and. And all of a sudden, just got to be like, Steve, you really, you and Ace need to start working together. And I was like, I would love to. Um, John Astronomy and everybody in Ace's camp were really big fans of Tokyo Motor Fist. We did these shows with them, and they were like, this is awesome. You and Ace have to work together. So I started what I normally do, whether whatever artist I work with, if I'm going to do co-writing, you know, I'm working with Corey Marks, a great country artist right now mm. who's on Better Noise. And, you know, when you, and you know this, Manny, when you work with a specific artist, you got to bring in ideas that are going to fit their style. So what I did is I, in my studio, I came down here and worked up some ideas and I go, as a huge Ace Fraley Kiss fan, what would I want to hear in 2021, 22, you know, from Ace? And I came up with five or six great ideas, you know, and the, and the beauty with Pro Tools or Logic, whatever you have, there's no such thing as a demo anymore because everything gets used. You know, it's it's like making a stew. I tell people all the it's time, incredible, make, right? making yeah. records is like making sausage. You know, you take yeah. all the ingredients, but with digital recording, if you get a great guitar part from the day, from day one, it's usable. So that's always the way I, I work with everything. So I sent Ace a couple of these ideas, and the first one was uh, the, this song that became the second single off the record, Walking on the Moon, which was the launch pad for everything. I love that. And it was called something else, but it had the line in it, a tagline, Walking on the Moon. And Ace was, you know, so finally, after six months, he finally called me. And it was funny as hell because I just got out of the shower. I was dripping wet. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. And I see Paul course, Freely, you know, because that's Ace's real name is Paul. And I see Paul Freely. And I go, holy shit. I guess he must have finally listened to what we, you know, been talking that's about. Great. And Ace gets, you know, we get on the phone. I go, Ace, what's up, man? And he goes, Steve. These ideas, and with Ace's accent, Steve, right. these ideas are great. Exactly. This song, he goes, I got an idea already. 
And it's we got to call it walking on the moon. The record's going to be walking on the moon. This is great. When you, can you come over? And meanwhile, dude, I am soaking wet. I got a towel wrapped around me. I don't even know if I had a towel wrapped around me. It's like that scene from a movie where you're like, yeah, you know, I, you're like I, looking totally, away. And you're like, totally. Exactly. I, it was, it was all that. It was totally a scene. It was a scene from like, you know, the idol maker or uh, spinal right, tap right. all wrapped up in one. But then you had to keep it together. Yeah. Like, yeah it's like no big deal. But again, you know, and, I, and, and like, like I said, I've known Ace a long time. We're bros and a lot of friends of in common. So it was very easy. So he goes, when can you come over? And I go, I'll be over Tuesday. And I kid you not, I got over there, and within two hours, we had 98% of what you hear on the finished 10,000 volts record of Walking on the Moon. Ace got up, cut four vocals. I was sitting, you know, at his, he has a studio much like mine, you know, same Focusrite interface, Pro Tools. So I would sit here at the engineering, like at at the mouse engineering, and Ace was back here with the vocal mic. And I would just right, right. fell back, sing, you know, girl, you said my song. I'm screwing up the words, but you got me walking on. And he would just, we would go line for line. And I cut together four vocal takes. And basically that's what wound up on the record. And that proceeded to go on once every couple weeks, we would get together. And then probably two months into it, we got to 10,000 volts, the song, which uh, I co-wrote with a kid up from Buffalo, David Julian. And I brought it over to Ace. And by the time we got done with that song, because, you know, Manny, just so you know, every time we worked together, within an hour or two, we pretty much had a new song done. And it was really inspiring because, like we said, Ace, is set, he was 71 years old at the time that we started the record. That's we crazy. were like teenagers. We were like kids. And whether it was you and me, just so excited. We were high-fiving each other and laughing and it was so refreshing because you know dude listen man i've been a fan for so long but i've been so underwhelmed by his records over the last 30 years there are always moments whether it's the yeah. freelance comment or the i was just about his, to say the freelance comment was decent yeah there's moments yeah, there are yeah. moments but there's a lot of let's say filler and i don't want to yeah. bad mouth anybody but Ace and I had a chemistry from day one that just kept getting more powerful each song. And by the time we finished 10,000 volts and another song, which is going to be the new single that's coming out any day now, Cherry Medicine, we looked at each other and I just we just said to each other, this is undeniable. We are on track to make the best record you have made since your 78 solo record. And what you were talking about before, trust. That is the key thing. And that was after the first day I grabbed Ace by the shoulders and I said, dude, just look at me in the eyes. And I told him, I said, bro, if you trust me and I trust you, I promise you we will make the best record you've made since your 78 solo record. And I, you know, at this point, I, I honestly believe we did that, you know, and both of us and everybody at the label, you know, Monarch Heavy, Everybody has agreed that this is his best work to date since 78. So it's mission accomplished. And um, I, I love the cuts. I love as soon as I heard 10,000 volts, it brought me back to yesteryear to those great, big, solid rock and roll riffs that are timeless. Sure. And you and I both know, man, a timeless song is great. 
I don't care what decade you're in. I'm still I'm still right. listening to the Hollies. I'm still listening to Elvis. I'm still listening to the classic because yeah. a good song is timeless, man. So kudos to you, man, because what you're putting out there thus far, these first two cuts have been epic. So yeah, I'll get. I, I thought I I thought I had the label send you the record, but I'll get you the full record. So before this airs, you could do like your own review of it. But I would uh, love to. I would be honored. Are you kidding me? And you that just, was just... you know that was one of the other most important things that Ace and I said. You know, Ace said right from the beginning. He goes, "I want every song to be great," and I said, "Well." You came to the right person because yeah. I'm not going to let, and you know this, we've talked about this, whether it's working with somebody like Ace or whether I'm working with a new up and coming artist, like this young kid that I'm working Doesn't with, matter. Kobe, yep. Kobe Reese, who I'm, I got Kobe yeah. coming in next week to do two more songs. I tell everybody price money. What I'm getting paid makes no difference. When you come to me to work, I promise you that you are, chances are, whatever we come out with out of the studio and that I'm involved with, it's chances are it's going to be the best thing you've ever done. Awesome. And because I won't let it out. And just like working on this, you know, I'm working on mixing and, you know, taking care of the new uh, Wizards of Winter, you know, the pay-per-view special. I mean, yeah, the man. PBS Can't special. Can't wait for that. The PBS that special. Yeah. And the lot, you know, we're going to put out this live record. You know, we're going to use some of the tracks, most of the tracks from this. And like I told Scott and Sharon, I will not let anything out of here if it doesn't have my stamp of approval that this is the best it could possibly be. So that's really, you know, that's the common, I think, thread. And that for all your listeners and viewers, that is the most important thing. Because, look, if, if you give 200% to everything you do, you can't lose. Yeah. Well, you know what? At that point, it's just for me, it's always been huge. It's at the top of forefront. It's integrity, brother. Like I yeah. said, if you're going to do a shit job, just don't do it. You know, like you, so many times I've recorded this, which is why you can't see it. It's off to my left. I've got my personal vocal booth. Yeah. If I don't like my vocals, I'll go in there. It's not enough compression. I'll put more compression. There's not enough verb on there. It's not wet enough. I'll add a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm going to walk out there knowing that I left it all on the table. I am not the whole woulda, shoulda, coulda type of guy. I don't live in regrets. I left it all. I'm happy with it. Now we move on to the next track. And it becomes yeah. a level of integrity, man, 100%. So I agree oh, with you wholeheartedly, brother. I really do. I want to move on to this third question because this has to do with the entrepreneurial side of Steve, you know, in the launching of your new, which evidenced by your swag that you're wearing, launching of the new brand, uh, the new SBS guitar lines. Now, by no stretch, okay, Steve, there it is. By no stretch am I a guitar player, nor do I know much about the inner workings. But what I do know is that the feedback has been beyond reproach, as evidenced yeah. by, you know, all the YouTube videos, the hearsay of fellow teammates of the Wizards and so on. So talk to me, because it's evident that you've mastered your craft. You've put in the work countless hours. You've shared the stage with the legends. And, and you know your instrument inside out. But one thing is playing. The other is designing, testing, manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So how has your experience and influences as a guitar player, you know, facilitate, or should I say, educate, you know, Steve, the builder. And for those out there looking to build their own brand uh, line or whatever it is they want to do, but what do you also recommend for any type of prosperity, especially in a domain where you would think, right, by now, so many years of guitars, everything's been done to stand out. In other words, like what has Steve Brown done with SBS to set a new standard that is so appealing? Because we both know in the business world, 
that confuse minds. Don't buy, Steve. And your guitars are selling, man. So yep. now that you have that, what are you doing to demystify all those doubts from your clients and, and catering to their pockets, which is the most important thing? Well, the SBS Steve Brown Sound guitars are, we again, getting back to what I told you about forming Trickster. Yes. The gimmick. What, how are we going to sell this product? Mm. And no matter what, when you're in the music business, it is the business of music. It's yeah. business. You have to sell. We're artists, yes. Yep. It's art. It's creative. It's songwriting. But at the end of the day, if you want to be successful, Absolutely. you have to make money and you have to sell records. So the no SBS argument guitar, here, brother. No argument here. Yep. It was where am I going to fit in? Because I am not, Steve is not competing with EVH. I'm, SBS is not competing with Fender, mm. Gibson, um, these bigger brands that have. But my partner and I, Jay Abin, who owns, you know, the, the main company, Guitar Fetish. that my Which I've met at a couple of the Wizard Shows. By. Cool guys. Yes, you have. Jay is a dear friend, mm. uh, Long Island guy, East Coast. And he was the one who came to me with this because he saw a a hole for us to fill, if you will, a, a part of the marketplace that wasn't being serviced, which was guitars under $400 that are cool looking, incredible, incredible playing guitars, yeah. sound great. My pit, my SBS pickups that Jay and I, I love designed, that purple too, man. you know, look at the end of the day, these guitars, this is a $379 guitar hand relics, these beautiful paint jobs. I could go through all the stats, but there's yeah. no need to waste time. It was about servicing that part of the market. And look, it's no secret that we're living in very, very tough economic times. And how can you give value to guitar players and musicians, especially after the pandemic? And we all know that our business was hurt probably more than any other yes. business out there. Well, we had no business. Everything was cut. Everything was done. Yeah. yeah, right. So it was about putting together the best possible guitar at a stellar price. And that's what we did. And, you know, now we're in, um, you know, February of 2024. We have three completely separate lines. This is the vintage series line, which is the relic, which is the ones you saw in the yes. wizard store. And now we have, so we have three different models of this. We have a new showroom series, which I don't even have because they're selling so well that the company didn't even send me one. <laughs> Bastards. But those are your beautiful showroom, glossy guitars nice. with those great, you know, like, you know, Ferrari finishes, if you will. Yeah. And then we have an even a more consumer-friendly lower-priced guitar at $259, which is called the Custom Series, which is made of, you know, a, a little, a cheaper wood poplar, which I love, which a lot of the, you know, EVH fans and Eddie Van Halen fans know that Ed's 5150 Kramer from back in the day was wow. made of poplar wood. So these guitars, you know, and again, it's all inspired by the 80s. These are the type of guitars that I've played all of my career. And I've added in certain elements that make it my own and some modifications where these guitars have push-pull um, 
uh, coil tap, so you get single coils out of this. It's got a thing called the treble bleed, where if you lower the volume, you don't lose the high-end articulation and tone. Mm -hmm. No stock guitar, even at $1,000, has all these features in it. You know, so it's really about that. And, you know, well, you I know could let, me, let me stop you right there because you mentioned something yeah. that's hugely valuable and important. And it's all relative in whatever business. I don't care what it is that you do. You came up a solution for a void that wasn't being met. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of musicians, a lot of artists are creating and creating and creating. But they're cookie cutter creating. Instead of focusing on, well, how can I compete with this person? How can I compete with that Find something that inspired you. Make the best, again, alluding to what you said before, make the best possible product that fills the void of answers, right, that that yep. society exactly. needs. Because I don't know anything. I don't know shit about guitars, but I got to tell you, you sold me. It, first of all, it's in my price point. You've got all the features of, of the more expensive Les Pauls and Gibson SGs and, and you know, uh, uh, Fender Strats, so I can get it for a cheaper price but it's the same type of quality and it's endorsed by somebody who's done some epic shit. So it makes perfect sense from a marketing standpoint, but go ahead. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to address no. that because it's so important no. about filling those voids. That's how you become successful. Yes. Well, that goes back to the gimmick. You always have to look and you know, Gene Simmons kiss and sell. You always have yeah. to look where, yeah. well, well, you know, you know, Manny, the one thing I love about Steve Brown's That's sound it. guitars is that Steve's going to send me a free one. That's it. Dude, you nailed I, it. I love, I, love, I love Uncle Gene, man. Yeah. But um, it's always about, no matter what you're doing, what, whatever product, you have to find your niche. Mm -hmm. And you also have to find a unique angle for how you're going to sell it. Because there are hundreds of different guitar companies but what makes ours different you know we came out with the relic thing and it was in the beginning i gotta tell you when we got when we first launched in july last july of 2023 you know there were a lot of people who were like oh man we hate that fake relic blah blah you blah you were telling me that on but tour that yeah. was originally you know so look you can't please everybody yeah. but we did it because it was, first off, this was my vision that Jay, my partner, and I, we said, this is what we're going with. There's no company offering Relic guitars near this price range, so we're going to go with this. And it was always, we knew you're going to get the haters. You're going to get the people who go, oh, I want a solid. I want the solid. Why can't? Yeah, and we so. knew it was coming. Yeah, you're not going to please everybody, want. dude. Please. I don't even like yeah. everybody. But we knew. And in even in the beginning, though, this was the, the, the good far outweighed the bad. Yeah. So the positive comments, the people who love this guitar from day one, because I always liked it. You know, like I said, man, I just always looked at it as, you know, man, this was a guitar that was laying around in a warehouse since 1986. It's been on the floor. It's wow. been dragged around. Right, right. Or it's been that guitar that some dude has had since 1984 playing bars for the last 40 years. It's the stories, you know, brother. So that, the story sells. it, you yeah. know, because it kind of goes along with me. I mean, you know, makeup does a good thing for a three-year-old <laughs> guy like Stop. me. You know, I'm kind of relict here. Yeah, but, uh, you know. But it's true, though. Yeah, it's the stories, it. too, man. It's, the, it's those stories that you visualize that, you know, that people can relate to, that people can, you know, yeah. really, really feel, you know. And, again, you know, one of the most important things, and I think your listeners are really – 
um, gravitate towards this and sure. really enjoy it is because this company would not have happened had not had it not been for the power of relationships. Yes. And this happened yes. because of my friendship with Jay Abin, who owns Guitar Fetish. And just so all the people know, you, these are mail order only. That's the only. That's the other reason we're able to sell these pr- guitars at such an insane price because there's no middleman. Sure. These are sure. not sold in music stores. No it's overhead, factory yeah. direct. And that's that's the other thing. But sure. Jay has been somebody that I've known since the 80s. Jay used to be the artist relations guy at Guild Guitars. He started Bedrock Amplifiers. He used to work for Aerosmith in the 80s. Mm. Um, and I met him back when he was doing photography work like yourself for uh, a bunch of different music companies. And he was doing stuff for Hartke systems, Hartke bass amps. And that's how I met him. But we became friends right at the beginning when guitar fetish opened up, when, uh, when the internet became available in, in all households. He was one of the first companies that you could order parts from. If you wanted pickups, if you wanted knobs, if you wanted this. And I just do it what, what, back in the day. I would just send an email. Hey, um, do you give artists discounts? And, uh, you know, and he go, well, he came back to me, Jay. And he goes, well, everything's dirt cheap, but who are you? And I go, well, I'm Steve Brown. I'm from the band Trickster. And I play in Rubik's Cube. And I play in, you know, Sugar Belly, this cover band. And, and he was like, dude, I know who you are. We met, you know, 25 years ago. He goes, here's my number. And. That's how all this That's came all about because we became friends and we would see each other at NAM shows. And then finally, four and a half years ago on the Wizards of Winter tour, my first tour, we played down in Florida where Jay had just moved the factory. Yeah. And we were driving back. He was driving us back to our gig. You know, some of the guys bought some guitars and he turned to me and he goes, you know what? I want to do something with you. He had just done a very successful line with Earl Slick, the guitar player from David Bowie wow. and John cool. Lennon. And he said to me, and I, this wasn't even in my thought process. I didn't even think somebody at my success level would ever have their own guitar company and their own guitar line. Yeah. But he came happens. to me and he said, I want to do something with you. I want a Van Halen style guitar with locking tremolos and, you know, and cool paint jobs. And, and I was like, all right. And four and a half years later, here we are. So, you know, that is the key. And the other thing is be nice to everyone because you you. never know who you're going to meet. So this is really that because somebody who believed in me and look, he believed in me in my talents in my, let's say, my personality, yeah. because that's the other thing. When you got to get out there, and you know this better than anybody, yep. Manny, yep. you got to sell it. And he knew that I was going to be the guy who would not be afraid to get right. in front of a camera and go and do that right. thing. Hey, this is Steve Brown, and you're playing <laughs> SPS uh, yeah. guitars. And if you play this guitar, it's going to make you look cooler than everybody else. <laughs> And sound well, better. Dude, that's how you got on the show, man. You know, we took the time to cultivate a relationship. Dude, you are so spot on with that because it's it chaps my ass when I see people just destroy relationships by getting there late, by not showing up, by not returning a phone yeah. call. It's just the simple things that we don't even realize we yeah. sabotage. Just be kind to people, man. It doesn't cost you anything. And you could reap a lot of amazing, spontaneous rewards like yourself, man. So listen, last question of the show, dude. You've been epic, which is my signature question. What's your mojo, bro? Like what makes you – I know you love what we do, but there's something special 
within all of us. Hence mm-hmm. the reason why I title the podcast Mojo for Musicians, because there's always this underlying factor or this X factor within us that causes us to wake up every day, despite the hardship, despite the, the you know the frustrating times, the, the opposing people, the naysayers, the haters, but there's always some good times. What makes Steve Brown wake up every day to write a new song, to produce a new album, to create a new line of guitars? Talk to me. Well, first and foremost, again, it's the love of it. It's like breathing. I have to do this. Mm. I it doesn't it doesn't stop. Whether it's it's your designing new designing new guitar lines, designing new swag, you know, it never stops. But again, it's the love of it. Yeah. But more importantly, you know, I still believe the best is yet to come. Nice. You know, look it's no secret. The first 50 years of my life has been a rock and roll fantasy. I've been blessed to be playing with my partner, PJ Farley for 36 years. I love PJ. Since he was 14 and I'm 16, we've been friends and, and, and playing together and conquered the world and, you know, been every part of this business on top of the world to the basement, to the uh, parking garage, to the hot dog stand, but what to we play in Wembley with Def Leppard. That's insane. We, well, all of it. <laughs> yeah, but man. again, it's, and I say this all the time is I said the first 50 years was just a warm up because I believe, and I believe this for you as well, Manny, that the best is yet to come because, you know, look, it's, I, I don't know if it's a secret, but for a lot of people who don't know, I, I also lived a very hard party and rock and roll lifestyle. And I'm proud to say that I'm almost five years sober and getting sober and getting off, you know, that lifestyle of, of living what I yeah. thought you had to do. Everything has improved in my life. 200%, 300%, yeah. 400%, not just 100 And more importantly, my abilities have gone through the roof. So with that question, I still believe that I'm going to get that number one song. Probably not from me, but it's going to be from an artist that I work with. I'm hoping that, you know, with Corey Marks, these, these songs that we're writing, you know, I'm writing with also JT Harding, who's had seven number one country hits and, you know, with Corey. And we're doing this stuff. So it might be with him or it might be with, Kobe well, Reese. dude, you're on the right track, man. So whatever you're yeah. doing, just keep doing that, man. But you, you got to plug in. You got to faith. Because one quote oh, I'm going to leave you with, it, which really, really hit home when I heard it. Actually, I heard it about a week ago. If there's enough faith in your future, that's enough impetus to what you need to do in the present. And I, I love that quote because it's true. Exactly yeah. what you're saying. You believe in the future, man. So that's your drive right now. And I, I have more than enough confidence in you that you're going to achieve it and realize that dream sooner than you think, man. And I have to agree. I concur. I'm, I'm a Let's baby hope. still, brother. Let's do it. Hey, who knows? Yeah. Maybe we can collaborate on something. We get a number one for both of us. What do you say? You never know, but that, you know, don't. that's it really. And at the end of the day, it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. It's the love. Yeah. And what I tell everybody and for everybody listening out there, if you love what you do and you put all your passion, you, everything you have into it, you're going to win. Yeah. But the other one, let me just leave you with this. Please. The other thing is, is that I tell people this. You have to also be like an octopus. The more tentacles and the more things that you have going, 
you will have a better chance at success because a lot of times people get so focused and so hyper driven on one thing. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a songwriter that they lose perspective on all the other things. And look, let's be real here. I have to sometimes be uh, a hard truth person to people and say, look, dude, I got to be honest with you. I don't think this is ever going to happen for you that you are going to be that rock star that you want to be, but that doesn't mean you can't be a famous guitar tech or a famous engineer producer or a famous graphic artist or a video director, you know, because you do it all. Well, that's the book, my book. It it was a best-selling book, not to cut you off, Soul You Gotta Breathe. It's exactly about that, man. What you think has come to a, a screeching halt Sometimes shit is not supposed to work out. It's supposed to be a blessing in disguise for you, but our ego will not let us go, man. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing I try to yeah. tell everybody in this business, especially where let's focus on music. There are so many aspects where you can go and um, nothing bothers me more than to see starving musicians mm. when there are, there are ways for all musicians to constantly make sure. money. And that is one of the biggest lessons I think that I could share with everybody that whether you're playing gigs, teach, do everything you can, learn graphic design, learn photography, learn video making, learn pro tools, learn to be able to do everything because you can make a little bit of money from all these things and pay your bills. When you do, when you pay your bills, making, doing what you love to do, you've won the game. Yeah, man. I learned that from Steve Jobs, too, bro. You know, if you don't do what you love, the element of quitting will always be nudging at you every single yeah. day. And that's pretty deep, bro. This, listen, that's Steve, I sure. love you, bro. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, your journeys. You dropped some incredible <laughs> nuggets of knowledge, bro. And I can't appreciate you more. Now, listen, obviously, you got a lot going on, but this is your time. I'm showcasing you anything you want to plug. How do people find you? All that. Go. Just hit me up on social media. I'm on all the platforms. Steve Brown rocks, Trickster, uh, SBS Guitars, and uh, I'm easy to find. And thank each and every one of you for everything that you've done. And, uh, you know, keep the faith and uh, enjoy every moment. Absolutely, brother. True words have never been spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, my dear friend, my fellow wizard, Steve Brown. Thanks for your time, brother. We got to do this again when you get your number one, which could be sooner than we both (laughs) Thank you, Manny. Love you, dude. All right, brother. Back at you, man. Talk soon. This has been a Mojo for Musicians podcast. If you're a musician, industry professional, or a voice with a powerful message and wanting to share your mojo and stories of success with our listeners, or simply share some feedback on today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. So send us an email at info at mannycabo.com. As always, much love and peace. Live to inspire. Thanks for listening.